Hello and welcome to the Tech Disputes Network Need to Know Basis podcast series, which offers a convenient way of getting on top of the most important new developments and cases involving issues of the technology angle via short podcasts of approximately 15 minutes in length, presented by the leading experts in the field. These podcasts offer succinct summaries of the key points to note on the topics we all need to know about in a way that takes up as little of your time as possible. This podcast series is brought to you by the Tech Disputes Network, which is a London-based forum for those engaged with contentious technology issues. My name is Mike Cohen-Bruce, and I'm one of the founders of the TDN, which I would encourage you to join by registering at disputes.tech to receive information about our upcoming events and initiatives, which are all free of charge. This podcast concerns liability issues related to autonomous vehicles. Liability issues related to the output of various forms of AI are arguably among the most significant challenges facing lawyers today, and no specific area is of more immediate relevance than that of driverless cars. For over a century, driving has been one of the world's leading sources of both employment and accidents, profoundly affecting both society and the law. Indeed, the business of determining responsibility for the damage caused by unfortunate driver mishaps may very well be the most common public point of contact with the world of civil disputes. However, as technology pushes people out of the driver's seat, new ways of looking at liability will be required in this area. We are very fortunate to have Lucy McCormick of Henderson Chambers to guide us through the key issues here one of the bar's most sought-after juniors for technology work. Lucy is also a leading expert in the field about which she has lectured extensively and authored a textbook for practitioners. We are pleased and privileged to have her here with us. Hello, and welcome to this podcast about autonomous vehicles and the practical liability issues that they raise. My name is Lucy McCormick and I'm a commercial barrister at Henderson Chambers. I'm also the author of a book called The Law and Autonomous Vehicles, published by Routledge last year. In this short podcast, we will begin by getting up to speed with the legal developments in relation to autonomous vehicles in the UK to date. We will then discuss where we are now in terms of liability for a collision. So starting with the legal developments to date, many people may be surprised by how far this area of law has come already. I want to tell you in particular about four key UK legal landmarks. The first legal landmark is the regulatory review known as the pathway to driverless cars. As early as 2015, the government conducted a detailed review of existing legislation, concluding that, and I quote, real world testing of automated technologies is possible in the UK today, providing a test driver is present and takes responsibility for the safe operation of the vehicle and that the vehicle can be used compatibly with road traffic law. So that was a big green light for this technology in the UK. The second legal landmark falls later in 2015, and this is a pioneering document called the Code of Practice for Testing. This non-statutory code provided specific guidance on testing automated vehicle technologies on public roads or in other public places. As to why it was non-statutory, the government explained, a code of practice will be quicker to establish 
more flexible and less onerous for those wishing to engage in testing than the regulatory approach being followed in other countries, notably in the US. So despite this non-statutory status, the code would be taken into account in any litigation. And the Department for Transport has specifically said that failure to follow guidance in a code of practice would be a clear indicator of negligence. As such, this is similar to the status of the highway code. The guidance in the code is practical, providing, for example, that successful trials on closed roads or test tracks should be carried out before testing in public spaces. Vehicles should have black box type recording devices for analysis in case of an incident. And rather charmingly, test drivers are requested to maintain normal gaze direction to avoid disconcerting members of the public. An updated version of the code was released in 2019. Now, one realises quite how pioneering these steps were when one realises that the first autonomous vehicle crash did not occur until the following year, in 2016. This was the low-speed collision between a Google car and a bus in the US, resulting in minimal damage and no injuries. I won't get into the facts in detail, but effectively it arose out of a misunderstanding about who had priority when there was a sandbag in the road. Later in 2016, there was what is often described as the first fatal autonomous vehicle crash, again in the US. This is a bit of a misnomer, because the vehicle in question, a Tesla, was not in fact an autonomous vehicle. It's an easy mistake to make because of the tone of some of Tesla's marketing about their so-called autopilot software. Nonetheless, it is made clear in Tesla's manuals, their user interfaces and so on, that the driver is supposed to keep his or her hands on the steering wheel and continue monitoring the car throughout. We call such systems Advanced Driver Assistance Systems, or ADAS. In any event, in the Tesla crash, it seems that the driver ignored the various warnings about monitoring the car and was watching a DVD. Thus, unfortunately, both he and the car's systems missed a white tractor trailer crossing the road against a brightly lit sky. In any event, we now move forward to the third legal landmark. This is the launch by the Law Commission in 2018 of a project on autonomous vehicles. This runs for three years up to 2021 and includes three rounds of consultations. Consultation paper one came in November 2018 and focused on safety assurance together with civil and criminal liability. The analysis of responses came out in June 2019. The central finding from this relates to safety assurance. There was overwhelming support for a national safety assurance scheme for automated driving systems and steps are now being taken to put this in place. They also suggested that all automated driving systems put forward for auto authorization be backed by an entity that can vouch for its safety and that could be subject to regulatory sanctions. The paper also moots the possibility of a new role of the so-called user in charge, not the driver, who would take over from autonomous systems in planned circumstances or after the vehicle has come to a stop. They also calls, call for a clear dividing line between driver assistance and automated driving. They also propose that a user in charge should not be liable for driving offences while the software is in charge. Consultation paper two came in October 2019 and looked at how highly automated vehicles might be used to supply passenger transport services to the public. The analysis of responses came out in May 2020. This paper considers a national licensing scheme for highly automated passenger services, uh, also known as HARPS. 
It also covers accessibility for older and disabled people, how to control congestion on public roads, and how regulation can help self-driving vehicles integrate with public transport. As for consultation paper three, this is expected later in 2020. And we'll go back to the safety assurance framework for automated vehicles, back to legal responsibility, as well as integrating input from the highly automated passenger services consultation. The final recommendations of the Law Commission will be provided in 2021. Just for context, the other development in 2018 was rather sadder, namely the first pedestrian death involving an autonomous vehicle. This was the death of Elaine Hertzberg in the US in collision with an Uber test vehicle. She was pushing a bicycle laden with shopping across a four lane road. According to Uber, emergency braking maneuvers are not enabled while the vehicle is under computer control to reduce the potential for erratic vehicle behavior. The vehicle operator is relied on to intervene and take action. Although the vehicle did spot Miss Hertzberg, it had trouble classifying her. Was she a vehicle, a bicycle? And as it was trying to classify her, it ran out of time to take any non-emergency measures. Unfortunately, the human operator missed her as well. There was a confidential settlement. Going back to legal landmarks, the fourth legal landmark was the Automated and Electric Vehicles Act. This has been described as the world's first driverless car insurance legislation. This received royal assent in July 2019, but importantly, it will require a statutory instrument to bring it into force. It contains a mechanism for determining a list of vehicles to which the legislation will apply. The aim of the legislation is to ensure that for the victim of a road traffic accident, it doesn't matter whether they have been run into by a car in automated or normal mode. In the first instance, the Act places liability on the insurer, albeit the insurer can then go on to recover from, for example, the manufacturer if, if appropriate. Interestingly, the Act contains two key caveats. By Section 4.1, the insurer can limit liability to the insured person where the accident arises from unauthorised alterations or failure to update safety-critical software. The analogy is um, similar to driving a car that you know has unsafe tyres. Um, but the insurer cannot exclude liability for hacking or for cybercrime. By section 3.2, the insurer is not liable to the person in charge of the vehicle where the accident is wholly due to the person's negligence in allowing the vehicle to begin driving itself when it is not appropriate to do so. Now, it's anticipated that that will come up fairly rarely because most designers are designing their vehicles in such a way that they only go into automated mode um, when it's safe to do so. But it's still an interesting, it's interesting caveat. So that brings us up to date on the key UK legal landmarks. Let's now turn to liability. Where are we now? One of the notorious unknowns in relation to autonomous vehicles is how the courts will approach the issue of liability if one is involved in a collision. As the technology becomes more advanced, there are more potential parties to a claim, including the driver, the vehicle manufacturer, the software supplier, and so on. That said, it is possible to make some educated guesses as to what findings a court would make on liability. The answer differs depending on quite how automated the vehicle is. So let's start with a fully autonomous vehicle. That's a vehicle that's sometimes referred to as a level four or a level five vehicle, or more informally, 
as a hands-off, eyes-off, brain-off system. For such vehicles, it is highly likely that liability would rest with the manufacturer in the first instance, subject to any claim for a contribution against the software supplier. This is on the basis that in such a vehicle, it would be reasonable for an occupant to disengage entirely from the driving task. Indeed, a level four or five vehicle might not even have a steering wheel. At the other end of the spectrum, you have a vehicle with advanced driver assistance systems, sometimes referred to as a level two vehicle, or more informally, as a hands-off, eyes-on, brain-on system. An example of this would be a vehicle that has um, technology known as traffic jam pilot, which can govern speed and direction in low speed traffic jam conditions. Such systems are driver assistance tools, like a very smart cruise control, but you wouldn't call them properly autonomous. The driver of a level two vehicle is still highly likely to be found liable for any collision caused by their vehicle's behavior. This is because the expectation remains that the driver will be alert and monitoring the vehicle at all times. However, if the collision was contributed to by a failure of ADAS, then there would be the scope for the driver to bring, in turn, a claim against the manufacturer. The manufacturer, in turn, might then be able to sue the software supplier. It's in between the two extremes is where things get difficult on liability. These are sometimes called level three vehicles, or a hands-off, eyes-off, brain-on system. With this level of automation, the car is capable of driving autonomously over long distances, for example on motorways, but the driver must be able to take back control within seconds after a warning. Society and the courts will need to reach a view as to what extent it is reasonable to expect the driver to monitor the vehicle when it is in self-driving mode, and as to how quickly one can expect a driver to retake control in, in an emergency. There are real practical concerns about this, given that a study in 2017 showed that individuals in a simulated automated vehicle, given a copy of a magazine to read, and later asked to resume control of the vehicle, took up to 25 seconds to take back control. So there you go, a very whistle-stop whistle -stop tour, but I hope you've enjoyed it. <laughs>